Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In fact, wherever or whenever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast. And as it's the last episode of the year, Em and I will be looking over some of the good and some of the bad of 2021. Yeah, we'll also hear from Thomas Hughes. He's an ambassador for the International Purs Event Ireland. And Golf Ireland President John White will also be joining the podcast for a chat. However, as is our way, here's a few quick news items. Emma. Yes, things we could not ignore just to hear us waffle on, obviously. Starting with the new Solheim Cup captain, who is the amazing... Suzanne Patterson. So um, this Norwegian lady who we all love um, will be the European captain for the 2023 Solheim Cup, which will be staged in Spain. Um, she's a two-time major champion and she's synonymous with the Solheim Cup. She's represented Europe nine times as a player, twice as a vice captain, and she's been part of five triumphs one way or another, um, including those past two victories um, at Inverness Golf Club in Ohio. And of course, she sunk that ridiculous clutch of all time putt at Glen Eagles in 2019. Pedersen, of course, takes over from Katrina Matthew. So that is the lovely Tata taking over from Beanie, if you want to go with their very random nicknames. She's, she's <laughs> not, not always been particularly well liked, Suzanne Pedersen. She has in the past no. sort of, you know, a bit marmite, but I presume you couldn't yeah. really look past her. I don't see how you could, particularly as she was obviously putting herself forward, I would imagine, which is the complete opposite, as you will fill us in now, and what is happening with the Ryder Cup. Exactly. In terms of the Ryder Cup, yeah, it's looking, Europe's uh, options are narrowing by the day. Both Lee Westwood and Justin Rose have apparently ruled themselves either running as the next European Ryder Cup team captain, uh, which I suppose isn't making the process any easier for those people doing the picking. Um, yep. And it seems like no one's particularly rushing to put their hands up, uh, which may, and only me I'm saying this, may have something to do with the fact that after the last result, they're probably thinking we're going to get an awful tanking again. So does this mm. leave the way clear for Mr. Luke Donald? Well, that's a very good question. I don't, I don't see why not. And I think he would be pretty good as well. Like we've discussed all the good points of him as a vice captain and he's got lots of experience in the team room on that side as well and he's very calm and control and I think if you maybe get a good mix of other backroom staff to do the hyping and that side of it maybe a few Garcias and people in there doing the little Tigger impression then all all good in my book I it seems to be they're all seeing it as a little bit of a poison chalice slash Rose and Westwood well Westwood in particular Rose is not as old but they just won't let go <laughs> I think they just you know they won't they won't let go and like we've said before we don't have all this new young relatively young college talent coming through that's just peaking in time for it so yeah I, think I, I agree with yeah. you Justin Rose made it very clear he thought he was too young he'd have thought mm-hmm. Lee Westwood would have been rubbing his hands at it but maybe he's looking further afield as well but mm. just interesting now there's nobody sort of saying me please no there is not is not um so what else has been happening well your man your man's made his first statement wasn't he old tw hosting this week's hero world challenge has revealed how his car crash in february last year this year february last february so that is this year still it oh, is this year yeah, yeah. This yeah. Year, f- 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 almost led to him having uh, to have a leg amputated which is 
possibly even more serious than I think we had realised, um, in an interview during which he refused to talk through any details of the crash itself, somewhat unsurprisingly, um, Woods did concede he was lucky to be alive. I think anybody is... who saw the car yeah, afterwards would have said he was look, well, car- to be carried away. He was yes, lucky to be yeah. alive. Um, mm. and, you know, he, he posted a few videos on Twitter, hitting a few hitting a few balls. And obviously, he's, he's rocked up down at Albany for this Hero World Challenge, where he's a host. Um, and he faced the media, but he did usually ev- he evaded the tough questions. Like um, He should be a politician once he does retire. Oh, really, yeah, <laughs> and it, it had seemed that he had, you know, kept talking about the new and improved Tiger Woods and how he was being much more open and much more transparent about himself and his life. But that was more mm-hmm. like the old Tiger Woods, I think. Yeah. You know, he made it quite clear that if he does come back and play competitively, it's going to be a very limited schedule. Talked mm. about maybe the Open Championship at uh, St Andrews next year, which would be yeah. maybe a target for him. But um, mm. I, I don't think the body will be up to regular week-in, week-out grind on tour, which maybe isn't a bad yeah. thing for him and his family, really. No, I don't think so. He's not exactly got much to prove, although I know he'd obviously like that um, major record. But... He wasn't exactly playing a massive schedule over the last few years anyway. So if he if he can pitch at something what he's aiming at, then he'll he'll do it though, won't he? If he's got yeah. it in his head, yeah. he'll just go for it. So he's, he's a comeback king, as we know already. So why would he not think he could do it again? Um, yeah. anyway, and also finally in our little news item, uh, new research out today from the RNA shows that golf participation is on the rise in Europe with over 10 million golfers now enjoying the sport. I love these surveys. The one thing I always say about these surveys is they always know, they never used to before, but now they include golfers who aren't club members. The mm-hmm. recreational golfers are always included now, which is fair enough. It's still, mm-hmm. yeah. So Ireland now has, according to the figures, almost 540,000 golfers, which is a significant jump um, since in the last year or two. It's up 10% mm. since 2019, which is what we're all talking about. We've talked regularly yep. here in the podcast about the COVID bump and how it's improved people looking to get out and play golf and how mm-hmm. a lot of people who had drifted from the game have come back and how a lot of people took the game up for the first time. So okay. I think the big issue, Emma, is how we keep them. Well... That's true. And also, I would like possibly argue with 10 million golfers enjoying the sport. It's, it's sent to test us, really, isn't it? I think that's that's loose language there. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it once out of every 15 rounds. <laughs> Which is why we go back for more. <laughs> Anyway, if you are one of those amateur golfers that we just mentioned, you may be interested in the next interview. International Pairs Event Ireland is a tournament open to all registered players in Ireland, and Thomas Hughes has all the info. Thomas, listen, we're always looking around on the podcast for something a bit different, something that players can get involved in outside of their normal club competition. So let's get straight into it. What is this tournament or what is this event about? Yeah, Paul, exactly that. Um, as a keen amateur golfer myself, uh, always looking for something different. As you said, exactly, you're not nailing the head. There's something different within the club um, competitions. So we have brought across the international purse for the whole of Ireland now, uh, ready to be launched in 2022. 
So what, what it's doing, it's offering the, the club golfer, the amateur golfer, an opportunity, basically, just to get involved. Um, and it's more or less the world's largest purge competition, Paul. Um, it's very, very simple in regards to each club comes on board completely free of charge. They can give us between one to three qualifiers in each golfing calendar. Um, and the winning pair basically then goes into what we call our national final. Um, and then if you win the national final, you go on to represent Ireland in the international final. Um, globally, it's absolutely massive. Um, so we're, we're absolutely delighted um, now that we've taken on the license for the whole of Ireland. Um, we took it on last year um, in the National Persian Northern Ireland, but we found it kind of a silly move because Gulf Ireland basically is just, it, it's one body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we might as well just cover the whole of <laughs> the whole Ireland. of Ireland, you know. Yeah. Is this, is this tournament going to be open to men and women is there handicap limits you know what what's uh, what's the what's the nuts and bolts of it yeah great question yeah because it is inclusive to all um and that, that that's the beauty about this so it's men's ladies and mixed pairs paul so um anybody that's a club member with a world handicap um handicap is basically eligible to, to come and play um Prize basically is it, it's phenomenal. Um, what do you actually do for the small entrance fee? Um, I think it's the clubs are going to sit at about seven pound fifty entrance. You can actually win your way, and I think it's going to be in Spain this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a full five day trip, um, oh, over to a five star resort in Spain, mm-hmm. and three rounds of golf, and you compete against the other. I think there's forty two countries now on board. You know. So in your part from, from organising it, you're going to reach out to the clubs now, I presume that's the first step for you? Yeah, yeah, we, we have a, a full uh, marketing pack. Um, I'm going to be sending it out within the next two weeks. We'll want it to be sitting on their, their tables there, um, on their desks for their AGMs, hopefully in, in uh, January. So it's very simple. As I say, completely free of charge. Every club that wants to come on board signs up. Um, we'll have the full registration online. And all they do is send us basically between one to three um, dates that they want to host the, the events for, yeah. And is it a Purge Stableford, Purge Groves? What is it? What, in yeah, terms of Stableford um, format, Paul, yeah. So it's four ball, better ball. Um, so what everybody so yeah, plays, every, it's what everybody plays on Saturday anyway amongst their mates. Exactly, exactly. So everybody's familiar with it. Um, it's very simple. Um, and it just, yeah, just streamlines the whole process. That's what people are used to. Yeah. And in terms, so you, and, and there's no, like, there's no de- designation. There's not a ladies' prize, a men's prize, or it's it's all mixed. So you, there's one prize, all hands in, take your chances. That's it, yeah. Get get your, your playing partner, line them up, yeah. See who's good. <laughs> is there, <laughs> you're and, and is there, uh, uh, in terms of the handicap, changes and, and adopts you know what 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 tweaks are made is it uh three quarters of the combined uh you know just full handicaps is yeah no again good um just to make it clear it's the, the guys run it on an 85 percent 85 percent um hopefully it'll help with those uh new members that are <laughs> slightly higher than they should be um <laughs> i wonder was that owned was that 85 percent brought in more recently uh yeah <laughs> um yeah so 85 percent obviously nips the the high handicappers a wee touch 
and doesn't really affect the low handicappers like yourself, Paul, you know. So from your point of view, you're, you're hoping and exp- I'm really looking forward to a summer whereby the clubs across Ireland sign up, uh, get involved, and the members themselves get involved. And you have lots of these competitions going on all over Ireland at each of the clubs. And then the winners from them, do they go to a regional and uh, uh, yeah. sort of Irish one? So you're going to have regional winners go meet then at, a, at an event? Yeah, yeah. So what, what it is, we've already lined up the heritage um, down County Leash there. Um, absolutely five-star trap championship resort. So we've brought those guys on board then for the national final. So our, our reach fall with 389 clubs actually registered with, with Gulf Ireland. So they're all eligible to come on board. Um, now, will we get all 389? I, I hope. If, if we get a quarter of that, happy days. Um, yeah, and you know, just it creates a buzz, creates an in- inclusion for everybody. You, you know yourself as as a club golfer. You know, it's only the elite kind of get to go and showcase at different resorts and courses and competitions. You know, um, so we we want the high handicappers, the mid handicappers, to be basically going to represent Ireland and playing against other countries on a basically like a global event. Brilliant, brilliant. So listen, yeah. if if you're listening to this now, um. And you know the club hasn't got got the info yet, or you know you you haven't spoken to your your competitions convener. Um, is there a website? How do people contact you? You know, give us a bit of the detail there. Yeah, yeah. So st- stage one, we put out a wee bit of a teaser uh, about four weeks ago. So all clubs got the kind of a hello from us all. Um, there's been a few responses back already, which is fantastic. Um, uh, a few from the north, a few from the south. Um, but again. It's a matter of just checking their inbox, keeping an eye out for something that's going to drop in, as I said, within the next few weeks. Very simple process. Just to register, log your interest, and we'll get back in contact. If not, you can just go to the website, which is internationalpairs-ni.com. Um, it's soon to be changed to internationalpairs-ireland.com. Um, and yeah, you can actually just hit register now. Put your club details in, give me your dates, and that's, that's the club's up and running. Zero, zero cost. And are you Facebook and Twitter up? <clears throat> yeah, completely Facebook there, yeah. So again, international pairs in Northern Ireland at the minute, very soon to go on to Ireland. Um, yeah, but we're, we're trying to reach basically all club golfers. So spread the word and check and see if your club's going to be registered and signed up. Brilliant, Thomas. Thanks very much for having a chat to us. Good luck next year. We'll, we'll keep in touch and see how things go. Super, no problem, Paul. Listen, thanks for your time. Excellent, Amos. There you go. If you're into playing in a wee bit of a competition outside of your normal club competitions, this could be the one for you. Get signed up. There should be some information at each of your clubs now. Right, on to a wee bit of fun then, because as we said, it's end of the year. Um, in a previous life, with this podcast, Morris J would undoubtedly have sat down and done absolute step-by-step in-depth analysis of the stats. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was a stats yeah. man, and he was able to give you chapter and verse on how each of the Irish players performed during the year. However, being a much more lazy person, I have not done that. Instead, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk in broader terms. We're going to talk in broader terms. So, Emma, 
your high point of 2021, your low point of 2021, and your wish list for 2022. Now, obviously, we could talk about numerous things here between the two of us, and it could be podcast galore, but we're going to keep it nice and tight here. So one each, one for you, one for me, your Mm -hmm. high point of 2021. Give us the goods. My high point of 2021, and it's nice to say there were lots to choose from, but I'm not going to go into them all, um, was Johnny. It was Johnny Caldwell, his first European tour win, and the emotion that went with it. Um, I will just say that it was a little, it was a little emotional stint on like there was a few weeks back to back there on the European tour where it was like some sort of cinematic film of of the European tour tugging on the heartstrings from Blandy winning in his like 478th attempt or something ridiculous like that and then Marcus Armitage which was a very emotional win as well and then suddenly it's Johnny and we've and also it was at the Scandinavian mix so it was men and women playing Annika and Henrik hosting you know it was just everything about this tournament for me was exciting anyway I was really looking forward to it and then Johnny comes along and has the week of his life now interestingly as well you know we've talked about it before but his first year on tour 2009 so he's had a long wait for this as well but only what was it 47 48 events actually played on the European tour which is you know almost chalk and cheese experience to Blandy's from the few weeks before where he's been European tour knuckle 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 and nothing and then finally whereas the roller coaster experience of Johnny to get to this win of playing on mini tours you know working in Bangor as well as trying to keep this going and just not giving up on the dream boy from Clandy boy nailed it 37 I'm still going to call him a boy he wasn't 40 before he had his first win <laughs> he he did it and my god I think they're probably still celebrating in Clandy boy actually at yeah, this you're point, probably right I would say that'll so, be the, the focus for yeah. Christmas this year another That's... party for Johnny yes <laughs> Can't argue yeah. with that. Your high point of 2021. Very good. For yeah, I was, I, was, I was looking around at a few things this year. Obviously, Richard Bland was definitely in there. I agree, mm-hmm. Richard Bland, because of, you know, what he says uh, for the, for in terms of, you know, commitment to the tour, hanging around again, a bit like Johnny. We obviously mm-hmm. have to talk about our top operator uh, in the Solheim. Oh, yes. Maguire. So I, I, I think, you know, really and truly, your high point of 2021, I think the answer just is Leonie Maguire. You see, we've just we've just kind of swapped now because this is what we did last week. Exactly. <laughs> however, 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 my actual high point of 2021, what, what sort of, you know, when you think and you're trying to talk about something that was just exceptional was, was the US performance in the Ryder Cup. Mm. it was just exceptional now from a personal point of view possibly not a high point I wasn't particularly delighted for it but when you look back on the performance and how they performed and how they went about their business and how they just hammered the US and the Europeans into the ground that was a high Mm. point in terms of performance so that's what I'm going for I'm thinking the Americans winning the Ryder Cup as tough as it is for me to say it, as a true That's blue European, and as much as Porig's, you know, a proud Irishman, all that sort of stuff, it was an outstanding, outstanding team performance. Yeah. So that's my high point of, of, of 2021. Right then, on to the next one. 
No point of 2021. If you say Europe getting shinned in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> <laughs> talk about perspectives no well I was gonna I thought we had to be more specific than that so even though it was in 1909 as you've just emphasized beating of their lives into the ground I actually well there was two things that genuinely irked me and really annoyed me more than anything else in the goal season and one of them was Brooks Koepka cursing at those officials. Like, that really annoyed me. But I, the way they handled it, it was kind of made it amusing because they weren't taking any of a shout. So that was quite good. The thing that the thing that annoyed me more than anything was Bryson. Bryson at the Ryder Cup was doing so well over the first day. He hit that, what was it, 417-yard drive, was getting the people inside. Half of those cards there would have, well, half of them don't even probably know golf anyway. A quarter of them probably hated his guts until that week. He was bringing us all around. And then, and then he's playing with Scheffler against my lovely Victor and Tommy Fleetwood on that first green. And they, they won't give him that pup. And you're just like, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Don't do this. You've been doing so well. No. And what does he do? Not only does he give off, he puts his 27 foot long putter down to prove his point. No, Bryson, no. And and I was just, all the toys are at the pram and I was just, I was livid. I was absolutely on my feet, angry with them. And so that is my low point of 2021 is not the entire defeat, which is, you can keep that defeat as your high point. <laughs> but my low point was, was, was Bryson undoing all the good he had been doing. So he's just, it was just like, I, you had me, you had me. And now you've lost me again. He just, he made me cross myself. I think that's what it was. Because he almost had you believing in him and then he just yes. ripped it away. Talking that's about it. talking about ripped things, low points of 2021. Rory's, <laughs> Rory's ripped shirt. Oh, yes. Rory's well, ripped shirt. All What? Where did that come from? Actually, the shirt or the what happened to make him well, rip his you shirt? Know, well, the fact, okay, like you don't win tournaments, but all of a sudden Rory's ripping his shirt. You disgusting. I know. Oh. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Bad look, bad, bad look. Not like him. Mm -hmm. uh, my low point of 2021, probably um, the deal between the Asian tour and the Greg Norman back Saudi. I'm surprised you didn't go all over that, but fair well, enough. Well, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been there, but I'm just concerned. Mm. I'm very concerned about where that's leaving us in terms of the development of Saudi influence in the game. Ready got a strong foothold in ladies' golf, now trying to get a foot, foot, a foothold in the men's golf. And some of these guys don't need any opportunity, they'll just grab it because ultimately it's all about the money for them. Um, yeah. so I'm very concerned about that, and I can see that. The European tour um, and particularly the US tour are trying desperately hard scrambling to boost prize money. As you know, the European tour has now been rebranded and mm -hmm. the, the European, the PGA tour is talking about mega bucks for every rent. So, you know, I suppose there's a wider discussion that we've had before about if it, they can't keep just adding knots to these tournaments, it just becomes obscene at some stage. Yeah. Um, so, 
I don't know. I just think golf needs to be careful. It doesn't just run down a hill where everything is just totally and utterly about how much the players can put numbers on their on their big fat check. Yes, they do it. We know that. They're professional sportsmen. But please, let's not be so obvious about it. <laughs> find some way. Please find some way to let us think that they have a lot of integrity. Please. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't yeah. have... today we've been joined by John White who's the president of Golf Ireland to have a chat about 2021 and a look ahead possibly to a wee bit of what's happening in 2022. John thanks for coming on the podcast. Well thanks very much for having me. So John Golf Ireland launched at the start of the year and you had I suppose the honour of being the first president of the new organisation but you know you suppose you couldn't have launched into a more difficult scenario how have things gone in terms of Golf Ireland's first year? Well, Paul, at the outset, can I just say that I'm obviously proud and privileged to be elected as the first president of Golf Ireland. But none of us could have imagined the challenging circumstances we faced with the world and the grip of the pandemic. Um, many of us lost golfing friends and loved ones. Golf courses were closed. And just for good measure, the new world handicapping system was thrown into the mix. But our immediate priority was to engage with governments in both jurisdictions to try to get golfers back on their golf courses. And I think we did a very good job in that golf was among the first sports to reopen. And the wider golfing community, including club members, etc., were a huge help in adhering to the golf protocols we put in place, which gave government the assurances they required. But we set about almost in an unbelievable sense, to um, deliver a full year's uh, events, championships, etc., cetera, uh, in five months. And we delivered a full range of championships, 71 in total, um, together with the inter-club com- competitions. And again, that would have been impossible without clubs rescheduling and indeed embracing this new formats of three at home and two away. Um, one of the big issues that we were very proud of, the men's and women's All-Ireland Cups and Shields were held together at the same venues and run by mixed volunteer teams. And this proved to be a great success, not just for the volunteers, but for the 160 club teams that found it a very positive experience. And again, our interprovincial championships took place in similar vein with men's and women's boys and girls together. And... Um, both genders officiating. Uh-huh. Um, so it was all very exciting. Uh, personally, uh, it was very challenging. Uh, <laughs> in the five months, I have attended some 32 events. Um, covering some, miles, miles, some miles in the car, John. I think it's due for a change or at least a set of tires. But the, um, you know, those events um, spread literally from Royal County down in the, the east to uh, Westport, in the West, and um, we started then with the Women's Championship in Ballybunion and ended the year at the end of October in Port Salem. Uh, and that's not counting the, the events in England uh, and Wales. Mm. So it's been great. And just a couple of highlights, if you don't mind me mentioning them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, Leona Maguire's Solheim Cup was just yeah. unbelievable. What a star. What a star. But at home, 
we hosted at Royal County Down the European Ladies Amateur Team Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, RCD was absolutely in immaculate condition. Um, mm-hmm. Just for interest, the lowest handicap playing was plus seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, probably the greatest thing about it was that with the cooperation of the teams, Royal County Down, the Slave Donard, and indeed our staff and volunteers, all 19 teams from across Europe returned home safely and COVID free. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, John, that, you know, it's kind of, it was a shame, I know, from a spectator's point of view, you couldn't really get in to see anything. But, you know, at the time that it was held and under the, under the terms it was held, they even run anything was remarkable. We, it really was a, a huge success. And we, we got a lot of kudos from um, literally around Europe for the way we had managed it. And it was great to see so many players from around Europe actually playing golf. Um, other highlight, of course, were the, the, um, the men's team winning the home internationals at Hankley Common in Surrey. But at a, near the end of the year, we had a great event. The Super Sixes, uh, teams of eight young people reached the final at Port Marnock uh, in scrambled format on a shortened course. Mm. And I just loved uh, watching the joy and excitement of the young people's faces, never mind their mums and dads. <laughs> So all in all, uh, just a huge compliment to our staff and volunteers um, that we were able to get through that in the year. Yeah. Fantastic achievement, I think. John, as, a, as somebody who's spent a lifetime in golf and, uh, and been involved, Captain Darren teams played at high level yourself. You've been out in the ground more than most. What, what's your feeling about the enthusiasm for the game out there now? Well, one of the positives of COVID, as you say, if you can call it a positive, were, was that um, golf clubs increased their numbers significantly. Um, and a lot of those new members were drawn from other sports. Uh, and that was really, really good because they were of a younger age, like the age profile in golf is maybe not terrific. These people were coming in maybe in their 30s or younger. They were competitive, but they also needed slots in the timesheet. Um, so many clubs which wasn't the case a few years ago, are now full or near capacity. But they're learning ways of managing it. You know, competition days are now extended over two days. Uh, or sorry, competitions are extended over two days. Yeah. And Golf Ireland is um, very keen to secure the future of golf and are bringing forward initiatives to uh, encourage clubs, if you like, to run maybe more midweek competitions, nine-hole competitions, be flexible in terms of the allowing their membership um, access to both the course and indeed the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, and while we certainly won't be resting our laurels, because one of the, the things that happened, there were actually more men than women joined from other sports. Mm. And to sort of, you know, we're very keen to restore the balance or, or imbalance indeed, and bringing forward more initiatives to get women and girls into golf. Yeah. That was one of the, 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 the unknowns this year really was, ILGU gone, GUA gone, one body, one vision, one approach. But now let's be honest, two separate cultures and two separate, appro- possibly two separate approaches to the game. How is it looking at the minute? Well, at the AGM last February, um, when I was speaking, and that was a surreal experience in itself, that I was in my, uh, my own house talking into a computer screen with 900 people on the other side of it. Um, <laughs> which is a bit different, but it's been quite uh, reassuring that uh, around the country, the spirit of cooperation and goodwill that I have seen 
with men and women working together for the good of the game at every level, um, particularly so I've noticed in the Gulf Ireland Board itself and the regional executive committees and international and regional committees. But when Gulf Ireland um, was voted a couple of years ago, the clubs across Ireland voted overwhelmingly in favour of the creation. And to me, that was a clear sign that the time for change was right. And as I go around the country, I can see that clubs are changing their constitutions, uh, changing their membership structures, etc. Now, it's not all going to happen overnight, and it's not going to be all that easy, but there's a great willingness out there. And while it's probably not a whirlwind, there is a wind of change that's clearly happening, and clubs are making that move, and Gulf Ireland will be bringing forward um, papers shortly um, to help them out. The Gulf Ireland has always recognised the autonomy of golf clubs, but will encourage and support that change. And there's a real desire for that support to come forward now. Yeah, even even just this week we had Royal Dublin bringing in lady members and um, Port Marnock this year. So as you said, there's a change coming. It's happening, and it's almost got a momentum now to itself, John. Almost. You're quite right. And uh, I, as I have gone around, I haven't seen very many uh, clubs pushing backwards against that. I think they're embracing it. Some of them are further advanced than others. Um, but um, again, at the AGM, I was sort of asked, had I a dream revision? And it was simply this, that I wanted to see men and women working together in harmony for the good of the game at all levels. And I'm very reassured by what I have seen in my travels this year. I really am. Well, you you watch a lot of competitive golf, and, and obviously, for people who don't know John, captain and managed Ireland senior teams, uh, all over the all over the country, all over Europe, for many a year, and you've seen golf at, at elite level. John, where are we in terms of elite golfers at the minute? You know, from the outside, or, man, it seems that our ladies seem to be very strong, but maybe our men just aren't as strong because so many of them turn pro so early nowadays. Is that too simplistic? Uh, probably yes, but as um, as you suggested, it will start maybe with the 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 women in the professional game. Like we've mentioned, Leona Maguire, um, Stephanie Meadow, seventh Olympics and retained a full LPGA card, and Olivia, Olivia Maffey coming along behind. Um, on the amateur side, Lauren Walsh and Annabelle Wilson uh, made the Curtis Cup team, but. Beth Coulter, uh, amazing performance, Irish girls champion, runner-up in the girls amateur, the Irish amateur and the Irish close. But um, it would be unfair to say that the women had it their own way and the professional game, like, okay, the Ryder Cup didn't go as Porrick would have wanted it, but Rory and Shane had some outstanding performances and only last night, um, what Rory shot six under with a double bogey and a par five. He's in the lead there. Shane, great defence of his Open Championship, coming 13th. Um, new winners in Seamus Parr and Johnny Caldwell. On the amateur side, um, Mark Parr and John Murphy made the Walker Cup. And as I said earlier, uh, the men's home internationals, a fifth win in seven years. So hard to say they're doing badly, but I know in a way we are coming from that there might be a little blip where... Um, uh, players progress if you like from the amateur game into the professional game and it's really really tough for them 
um, because the continentals are strong. But, but I believe that we're doing enough. And in fact, we're very fortunate to receive funding from both Sport Ireland and Sport NI, which helps the next generation of elite amateurs either to continue as amateurs or more so um, to try their luck in emerging professions. It gives them a little bit of uh, time. Mm -hmm. But we have a pathway in place right from a young age. We currently have almost 500 players at some level on a coaching pathway. Um, so I'm fairly optimistic about the future, uh, but you always have a few highs and lows. We've been spoiled for a while with the likes of Paul McGinley, Porrick, Darren, Rory, and the ones of Machine, etc. That can't continue forever, but I think we have uh, other successes uh, coming behind that. Does it concern you th that our top amateurs um, turn pro so quickly, you know, just on a personal level, I suppose, are you, are you the type of person who would like them to hang on for a while? Are you that sort of traditionalist or do you, if you're good enough, away you go and give it a go? Well, I suppose I like them to stay on because they have a better chance of winning uh, home internationals and European championships and things like that. But if you take somewhere like Maynooth, you know, who's doing fantastic work where guys get both an education and a real good sound, sound um, golf background, and I, that's the, personally, if it was a son of mine, that's what I favor. I like to see them having something, um, another bow to the arrow, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it's the other way around, Paul. <laughs> another arrow to the bow, the bow, right, Joe. like that, yeah. <laughs> I think we get what you mean, yeah. Something to fall back on is always useful, but yeah. it's an interesting one. We've all talked about how difficult it is, and it's a world game now, and you have to be able to compete at world level, and that's very, very difficult. Let's be honest, isn't it? It's yeah. tough out there. The, uh, the other thing is that, you know, some of them take the attitude, and, and maybe they're right. Look, I've got this dream. I'm going to live it. Go to America. Who knows what will happen And when I'm 23 or 24? I'm still only a young man. I can change direction then if I have to. So, John, did you say that whenever you're in these roles of officialdom and traveling the country that your own golf game suffers a bit. So let's talk about you personally. Now, I know, obviously, for people who don't know, John is a member of County Armagh Golf Club, my own club. Um, Long-term member, held at all the post Armagh captain, president, it's been everything. Um, how's your own game, John? Do you still enjoy the game of golf? Uh, I enjoy it thoroughly, but I'm not, not going to talk about my own game. <laughs> Simply because it suffered terribly. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously with um, going at, what was it, 32 to 35 events over the summer months, uh, I haven't played nearly as much as I would have liked to. Uh, so my game has suffered a bit. But uh, when this rolls over, I'm looking forward to cleaning the clubs properly and uh, reducing my handicap again, yeah. if that's possible. But you've never lost enthusiasm for the game, John? No, not at all. I love the game. I think it's such uh, a great game for, for both genders, for all ages. I've seen people enjoy it from, talked about the Super Sixes in Port Marnock. The youngest golfer there was eight. Mm. And uh, I've spoken to someone earlier in the year who was over 90 playing golf, and they all enjoy it. It's a great game and good for both their mental and physical health. Yeah. John, who got you into the game? Was it always, you know, were you, were you a footballer, were you a rugby player before you got involved? Or how did you get into golf? Well... I, um, I took part in, in virtually an awful lot of sports when I was at school and uh, I was at um, 
gone holidays in Port Rush when I was about 15 or 16 and went out to um, hit a few shots on their Par 3 course. And it was interesting, it was made quite welcome. And this has stuck with me since the caddy master on the Valley course said, look, why don't you hire a half set of clubs and go out there and enjoy yourself? Which I did when it was very welcoming. And it just so happened that year or that week rather that having hit the ball all over the place, uh, the North of Ireland Championship was on later that week, went up to see what was going on and uh, just fell in love with the game and came home and joined County Armagh Golf Club and basically have been there since. Brilliant. Ah, you see, up at Royal Portrush, the North of Ireland. That, that's the annual pilgrimage every July. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. John, uh, can't, can't let you go without talking about World Handicapping System. Um, and I'm not going to obviously ask you to get into any detail here and what we're doing all this, but an overview of how you feel the first year of it has been and sort of what people need to maybe consider when they're giving off on social media about scoring and things like that. Well, I think, I think the first thing that you have to note when you've said it's the first year that because of golf course has been closed, the system really didn't get up and running until May of this year. So we've probably only had about six months of it. And since then, there's been over 2 million scores submitted, which is a huge number, about 90% of those in competition. But you're right, there are both positives and negatives. And I'll start with the positives. You know, the, the system is designed to give players a handicap which is transportable and usable around the world. And, you know, when Americans come here, the first thing they'll ask is, what's the slope rating at Port Rush or whatever? And they adapt their playing index. But the feedback that I've been getting suggests that the new handicap index is actually a much more accurate reflection of a player's ability. Um, because, as you know, it's based on the average 8 out of 20. But it is easier to follow what's happening in your handicap if you have got the app and you see the little green dots highlighting the eight scores. The negatives, obviously, some would say it's far too difficult to understand. Um, and certainly we've seen some very significant scores winning competitions at club level, even in our own club, um, Paul. And all I would say is give it time. The, the World Handicap Authority, led by the RNA and the USGA, developed the system and will obviously review it. And I think it will continue to evolve. And of course, the four home unions will be feeding back into that. But golf clubs and indeed players need to be aware that for someone who's consistently returning very high or very low scores, the club can um, carry out a handicap review at any time. The other thing I want to say is that Golf Ireland had run quite a number of WHS seminars throughout 2021, and they're by Zoom, but somehow as you know, and maybe maybe it's happening here by Zoom, it's not as good as face-to-face. And further um, resources are available to club officials and members on the web. There will be much, many more seminars held in, in 2022. And despite the difficulties, I'm reasonably confident that we still have the foundations of a very robust system in place. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's a certain amount of a bit of education and a bit of patience. And I think what a lot of people probably maybe people forget but like the handicap system has always been tweaked and changed john the way the handicaps were 10 years ago was different from what it was 20 years before that it's yeah, always it's always evolved yeah yeah and i've no doubt this will evolve but you've got to remember 
the title. It's a world handicap system. And, you know, like it's, it's reasonably well vetted probably in America. They're more used to this type of thing. But I think give it a year or two, or, or in fact, less than that, and we'll all feel much more comfortable with it. But I do think, you know, it's quite, a, I did this myself. When you go on the app and you look at your eight green scores out of 20, it, it makes a bit more sense when you see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and finally, John, as we look ahead to 2022, what's your, what's your hopes, not just for Golf Ireland, but from golf in general? Let's start with golf in general. What would be your, your, your wider ambitions for the game in, in 2022 and then Golf Ireland itself? Well, the wider ambition simply is that we managed to keep the courses open for 12 months of the year. You know, it's like... It seems, you know, it seems, it seems so complicated now. It never used to be. You know, and, and, and at least we're back that you can either have the flag in or out or, you know, where bunkers are on play properly, etc. So we're playing what I would call the traditional game. And I would do hope that that can continue in 2022. And if that happens, I think the clubs in Ireland will, will prosper from that because people are keen to play golf uh, and are very frustrated like if the courses aren't open. Um, I think there's a bit of a challenge in terms of sustainability going forward and clubs might have to look at that. And indeed, Golf Ireland, I think, will have to bring forward recommendations due to weather changes, be it too dry or too wet. Um, and I think as far as Golf Ireland itself goes, because of the, the difficulties, we've been living basically in a culture of Zoom um, even when I was going round clubs in the early part of the year, we weren't in the clubhouse. So you're having a cup of tea with somebody standing outside, potentially in the rain. Um, so we, we, we hope to forge a much closer relationship with the member clubs. And I think that's key. And if we can do that, we, they, the members themselves, the, the, the players, will know more about what Golf Ireland does for them. I think that's quite important. Right, Emma, we've done your best and worst of 21. What about your hopes and ambitions for 22? Um, so I, I'm actually going to, I'm trying to put a positive spin now on, okay. on your exact point, to be obvious, when, when, when the third suggestion for what we discussed about was our wishes for 2022, that genuinely was the first thing that came into my head, other than please let Rory actually be back and not rip any more clothes, um, was very much please let this season somehow lead us away it sounds like a prayer now but lead us away from from the from the Saudi dollar signs basically because like you say it's a slippery little slope and we are staggering down it somewhat now I have to say that you know I've come big in this before and I am I feel very uncomfortable about it genuinely I think some people have pointed out recently that there is a you know you could say there's a lot of bad money in the dp world tour because how do you say well it's just saudi that you should be worried about and i i totally accept that that is a fair point i think a lot of their worries about human rights violations or whatever else in those countries are things that we should be concerned about i think my issue is that when it's just so blatant and also this it's the it's the women's golf that upsets me most about it because because of the way that it's just oh well we're growing the game and look, these women can come and play it and it's this that and the other and you know you just need to go one click to the amnesty international website and the people that are locked up for doing you know 
just trying to help women have rights in the country they haven't, they haven't done anything you know we don't even need to get overly political it's facts it's it's just it's a massive concern and a massive thing of hypocrisy and I just I just want there to be an alternative but I obviously don't have the money to provide the alternative but you know people like Meg McLaren write about this very articulately from inside and it must be a, a complete struggle for somebody like that who's a upcoming player and is actively missing out and putting her career through setbacks because of the moral stance that she just feels that she has to take over at night and she's also not criticizing anybody else on the tour for doing it it's personal and I, I suppose that yeah we just it would be nice if they all had a bit more integrity and the names every time I see the names of the male players who have signed up to play in that event it's just like none of you you know we know none of them need it and the little oh well we keep politics out of sport thing it's like well it's all joined up together in the end so and what was the most recent thing to do with the Newcastle takeover? I think it was because the British government's policies aligned with doing trade and not shutting the door on Saudi Arabia. Therefore, why should sport suddenly take a separate stance to the, the government and do something? To, and it's just it's just a whole it's a whole headache. And I don't know what the answer is, but I just fully agree with you. And it would be lovely if we could somehow move away from that rather than have this discussion at the end of next year and be like oh yeah so now we've got four events <laughs> well in terms of in terms of my wishes for 2021 here's a couple here's a couple for you uh, mm -hmm. wish number one that maybe you and me get together in the same room and do a podcast Yay! yeah that Yay! wouldn't be bad but a bit of crack uh, wish number two that olivia mahaffey uh, gets through <gasps> let qualifying and earned yourself a place on tour. She's doing that very, very soon. Good luck to Olivia. Yes, wish, good luck wish, to Olivia. wish number three that uh, Brandon Lawler continues his storming season next year and <gasps> continues to be world number one yes. in, in, in the Edgar rankings. And finally, wish number four. This is I, some genie you've got where you get four of them, on, by the way. <laughs> that I break, that I somehow manage to break, to break 85 on the golf course. Yes. Go on, Peter. Go on. <laughs> that's that's my four wishes for next year. I try to stay away from anything else. I really hope. Yes, as I said quickly on Olivia, LET qualifiers come up now, first first or second week in um, December. Yeah, so no, Olivia, yeah. Olivia will be there. She's been at home for a few weeks trying to practice mm -hmm. in our current conditions, which are just unbelievable. I don't know how anybody's trying to practice that. So good luck to her. So that's us. Yeah. Emma, that, that's our that's our wee thoughts as we wrap up 2021, looking ahead <sighs> to 2022. Uh, I think uh, before we sign off, European tour just quickly hit with the COVID outbreak just <sighs> and we talked last time out about how it was great for them that they'd planned this big season. They had all mm -hmm. these events suddenly planned. Everything seemed to be going smoothly. And they get to the first event of the year. And it's an absolute disaster. By the way, Chris Selfridge, who was carrying on it, half of yeah. them flew out then, as you know, straight away. When they broke. Chris got stuck there. Chris ended up, Chris mm -hmm. is only into London. What day is today? Today we're recording on Tuesday. So he was only in London Tuesday. He's now quarantined for 10 days in London. And he was happy to get out. Yeah. It's not ideal at all. And... I suppose that's the other wish is that we all somehow are able to deal with COVID as is and that we stop getting so many extra new exciting forms of it that's just gonna impact everybody's lives because you know 
it's it's the it's all it's all the perspective isn't it it's like the the rush to get out of there it's like well if you do stay there it's not it's not the end of the world it's not like it's a death sentence or anything that's you know like it was the same there's loads of like, teams doing pre-season training like rugby teams and stuff and some of them got stuck there you think you know having to stay in a hotel is rubbish if you're an athlete because you need to be practicing and all the rest of it but it's only a little period of your life really it's it's the worry that this is going to be how it is from now on and things will suddenly just be cancelled and it'll be oh it's okay because they're going to finish the event on sunday oh it's 54 holes oh it's 36 holes you know it's just like i don't know the two two other events the Alfred Dunhill has been cancelled and the other one downplayed so listen fingers crossed for the the European tour and actually I suppose fingers crossed for all sports and all tours and everybody Mm -hmm. for the next way away and then also just just one other thing then because it is obviously our last one Christmas is coming up what are you getting done for Christmas in terms of golf you can tell me nobody else won't tell me I don't know. I have to make sure he doesn't listen to this bit. Yeah. <laughs> and and would you do you get him golf presents for his for for? Oh, mm, well, oh. so as part of his birthday present, my son who's seven really wanted to get him golf balls. Now I don't think he's passing any judgment on the amount he gets through. I'm not going to say that at all. <clears throat> However, he really wanted to get him some, and he really wanted the message on them. And um, but I actually and I can't remember the company, so it's not a promotion anyway. But you know, normally they're like rubbish, rubbish golf balls. These were proper, proper yeah. like Callaways yeah. of some description. Well, take this traditionally do a thing where you can put matches on them with this table. Yes. So this company, whatever they were, you could get a pack of three, whatever's pretty much whatever you play with. Um. So they weren't exactly cheap for the management, but um, they were worth buying because they're going to be used. Well, two of them will anyway. One will obviously be treasured forever on a shelf. Um. So. I think if I can get useful ones, because otherwise I'm just like, can't. some of the stuff you get, like I bought my dad once those, you know, those glasses that you can allegedly oh, put on and then. Oh, you did your... buy that tat. Oh my <laughs> God. I was like, dad, I didn't know what else to get him. <laughs> oh, that's a shocker. That's an absolute shocker. You got him the glasses. I suppose they can see. Oh, they're rough. Oh, why have we waited to this stage for that? I, that is, I thought you knew about golf. That's horrendous. Oh, I'm very sorry, listeners. That's, that, or, or, that's your street cred going out the window. I should but say that my worst was... Christmas present was got by my parents a few years mm-hmm. ago who got me a glove. That was brilliant. But they got me one of these gloves that you can buy, obviously, online and had PK initialed on it. Mm-hmm. And it was two sizes too big. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a glove that nobody else can take off my hand unless I've got their initials big gay. So I've still got it. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. <laughs> so, I'll send you some glasses you can keep in it. <laughs> so if they all listen, even I'm gonna tell you now as well as I tell everybody, vouchers, go vouchers, go vouchers Correct. if you are thinking of getting now. I do know that you know, and, and if you are thinking of golf stuff, you need to get the finger out because like most other um, sort of the sectors that have been hit with Brexit mm. and hit with deliveries and all that sort of stuff. So we get in there and get your vouchers and get them something so that they can order it now and get it maybe in time for the start of the new year. That's the advice. Don't go in and buy glasses that nobody <laughs> ever use. Oh my God. 
That's an average. You have to let you have to let me say I've got my hand up here. I have my hand up like a primary school child. You have to let me say qualify it though that I did also give him a sign the same year I, I managed to get him a signed um Jack Nicholas Masters flag in person. So I well, think yes, that that kind of went up. Did you get him that for for his Christmas? Yes. Well, yes. that's okay. So you could say the other the other present was for a joke. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was. Yeah, honestly, that's horrendous. Absolutely. I know. I know. And every time I see them in the in a magazine, I'm like, oh no, they still make those and they still sell them. That's perfect. But it's just, it's just like a pit of like, I mean, it's so bad for the environment, isn't it? As well. It's just it, there's you know golf tat is must be on a level of its own. Golf tat, you know, and just and the problem is people okay. try and think they're helping and think they're doing the right thing by get because they don't invariably they know nothing about golf no so they go oh, and they think oh that's lovely we'll see oh look there's one of those things with the pens you hold the wee pens all look like 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 glove clubs in them that's class i must have 40 i must have 40 sets of those in about the house unbelievable just you know <laughs> just shocking shocking all right well listen as on the bar humbug note that is <laughs> you really can't get over that, on the bar humbug note that is um, the, the NI Golf I'm speechless the NI Golf Channel podcast end of 2021 thank you for listening Emma thanks again for as always for coming on and uh, in touch everybody and speak to you all soon have a good new Christmas yeah. year bye bye alright don't touch me see you Chicken head ass.